Well, welcome again, everybody, and welcome to people in Facebook land and YouTube land. We're in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're having a pretty miserable night here, <laughs> weather-wise, I mean. We're having an awesome night in here, but weather not, the weather is not very awesome. But anyway, it's worse farther west, so this is all right. So here we are, and... Tonight, we're going to talk about something that usually isn't talked about very much. It's sometimes called the flight into Egypt. Because little baby Jesus, we don't know exactly how old he was, we don't know exactly when it happened. Was, as we're going to see, Joseph has a dream or an angel says, take the child and his mother and go to Egypt. Poor Joseph, you know, like he's been through all this stuff. Now he gets like one more thing he has to do. You know, he's trying to run his carpenter business in Nazareth. But, of course, he has to go to Bethlehem because of Caesar Augustus. And baby Jesus, of course, born in Bethlehem. We don't know how much time goes by when this is, but it's probably after 40 days. Because at 40 days, there would have been the presentation in the temple. And they definitely were in Jerusalem for that. So we're going to go to Matthew's Gospel chapter 2. There's not a lot in the scriptures about this. And we're going to see kind of what's the background of this, what's actually going on here, and what the Old Testament roots of this are. Because everything that happens, there are prophecies that have to be fulfilled. There's prophecies that have to be um, completed. Because they've been going on since Torah. And the, everything that's been talked about, about Messiah, has to be fulfilled. Right down to, if you remember, when John the Baptist baptizes him in the Jordan, Jesus says, you know, you should be baptizing. I, you should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus says, well, we have to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, he has to follow the covenant, the law of Moses, and he has to do what all the prophets had told him, had told about him. Because in John chapter 5, he says to the Pharisees, you guys believe Moses. You say you believe Moses. But if you believe Moses, you'd believe me. Because Moses wrote about me. Because everything in Torah, I don't think there's anybody here who's taken the Torah class, but if you go to my YouTube channel, the Torah class, you can start going through the 33 sessions at your leisure. Uh, they're all about an hour and a quarter or an hour and a half each. So, But you can pause it, go make a sandwich, start watching it again tomorrow. But anyway, we see how everything in Torah points to him. Everything in the prophets points to him. Everything in the writings points to him. So in Matthew 2, we're going to see a little example of this. Because Matthew, of course, his original name, his real name is Levi. Now, I don't know if Matthew was like the Matthew who's in The Chosen. <laughs> Probably not, but he was a tax collector. He was hired by the Romans. You know, the people hated tax collectors. Like, I probably shouldn't say this on YouTube and Facebook, but I'm not a big fan of the IRS. But those people hated tax collectors because they were traitors. They worked for the Romans against their own people. And they would always take a little more money than 
was needed. So in other words, like when they did their 1040, when they went over somebody's 1040 form, they said, oh, you owe 100, it says here you owe 100 shekels, but let's make it 120 because I'm going to keep the 20. And that's why people hated him. So Matthew would have grown up knowing all the readings, all the Torah, all the prophets. <clears throat> so Matthew 2, 13 through 15. Now, this is when they had departed. This is talking about the wise men. Talking about the Magi, which we did last week. So when the Magi had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt, I called my son. Pretty amazing. Out of Egypt, I called my son. We're going to see where that comes from. So here's Joseph. You know, you know when you think about it, Joseph, Joseph had an awesome responsibility. You know, he was the, I guess you'd call him foster father of the Messiah, right? The one thing he knew, I mean, this boy was not his son. Mary's son, yes, but not his son. But he provides for the family, provides not only material things and food and housing and so forth, but protection. You know, his job is to raise the Messiah. Can you imagine anybody having a responsibility like that? I mean, you know, we were talking about babies earlier. You know, for those of you that have had kids and, you know, have raised babies, you know, like they start crying in the night, what's wrong? They get sick. Oh, I don't know. Imagine being the, being the one who was taking care of the Messiah. And I often wonder, like when little Jesus fell asleep at night, if Mary and Joseph sat around in the living room going, Ooh, who, 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 who is this kid? What, what are we doing? But anyway, Joseph, as awesome as he is, doesn't say a word in the scriptures. We're told about him, and he has dreams like the other Joseph. We're going to talk about the first Joseph in a little bit, Jacob's son, Joseph. So he has dreams, and the and angels talk to him in dreams. And in the, in the whole Gospels, Joseph doesn't say a word. In fact, we don't even know when he dies. We know when Yeshua's 12, Joseph is around because they look for him, in the, and they find him in the temple. And Mary says, oh, man, don't do this to us. You know, your father and I have been looking all over for you. And, but then you don't hear about Joseph anymore after Yeshua's 12. So sometime after age 12 and before age 30, Joseph dies, which is interesting, too, because he's living with Jesus, Yeshua, the God-man. We don't know how he died. doesn't tell us. In those days, you mostly died from infectious diseases. Jesus could certainly have healed right? Could have healed him. Could have raised him from the dead when he did die. But no, it wasn't, wasn't the plan. So angels communicate with him in dreams. At this point, Herod is just infuriated. 
because the wise men, the Magi, pulled a trick on him. Remember his false religion. Oh, come back and tell me where the baby is so I can go worship him too. You know, false piety. Yeah, let me know where he is. You know, I want to go see. He doesn't think to go to Bethlehem, which, as we said last week, is eight miles away. He wants the wise men to come back and tell him where the baby is. So he's he's upset when he finds out these guys have taken off a different route. You know, they had a GPS, and he put under navigation. They punched in, avoid highways, and they took another way back. Oh, come on. That was pretty funny. So there's a tough crowd tonight in the bad weather. But anyway, so he wants to destroy the child. He doesn't want these prophecies fulfilled. Why? Because the prophecies are about the king of the Jews. He's the king of the Jews. The prophecies are about a king of Israel. He's the king of Israel. He's a puppet king. The Romans put him in power. But he likes the power. He doesn't want prophecies fulfilled. He doesn't want some baby boy around who's going to grow up to be king. In his mind, you know, he's got boys of his own. They're supposed to be king. So he doesn't want these prophecies fulfilled. He gives lip service to, yeah, I want to go worship him too. But he actually wants to kill him. You know, the prophet, you know, Jesus says to the Pharisees one day, I can't remember the reference now, but he says, how well the prophet Isaiah spoke about you guys. You give me lip service, but your heart is far from me. You give lip service to your worshiping God, but your heart's not doing it. You know, it's like us when we go to church on Sunday morning and we say, this better not last more than 57 minutes. That's about as much as I can stand. You're giving lip service that you're there to worship, but hey, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. Right? If you're really there to honor God, you wouldn't care if it was four hours. Oh, 57 minutes. If this, if this guy doesn't shut up, I'm going to have to leave. So he gives lip service. He loved his power. He loved his riches. He loves his lifestyle. Like us. We love our lifestyle. We love our money. You know, we love whatever power we have, whether it's at work, whether it's at your house, whether no matter what it is, with your friends. I don't want my life to change. <clears throat> you know, before I was a believer, I don't want my life to change. I had a great life. Right? We don't want our life to change. You know, and then Yeshua says, you know, if you if you don't hate your father and mother, you can't be my disciple. If you don't deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. And you go, wait a minute, dude. Do what? I like my life. I want to live like I've been living. I got a nice job. I got a nice house. I got stuff. I don't want to give all this up and go follow you somewhere. Where do you think, where, where am I supposed to go? So he, we're, we're like Herod. He doesn't want to give all this stuff up. Doesn't want his power threatened, his lifestyle threatened. More important to him than is the kingdom of God coming? Could this possibly be the Messiah that's been born? After all, Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. My prophet Micah tells us exactly where Messiah is going to be born. And it's in Bethlehem, eight miles from where this dude was standing when the wise men came. They came a thousand miles to see the newborn king. 
the guys in Jerusalem won't go eight miles to go see him. You know, how far we go to, to see Yeshua? Oh, well, if it's too much trouble, I'm not going to go. Why should I go to church today? It's raining. Why should I go to church today? My toe hurts and I've been working all week. You know, I should rely. I got to take it easy. I'll go next week. Are we going to go a thousand miles on a camel to find him? No. We're probably not going to drive five miles to find him in a car. So to them, to, to, to Herod, and to most people, not us because we're here on Friday night in the bad weather, but to most people, their comfort, their job, their power, their lifestyle is way more important than the kingdom. I love the scene in The Chosen where Nicodemus says to Jesus, is the kingdom of God really coming? You know, we have to ask ourselves that. Is the kingdom really coming? Yes, it's here, but it's going to fully be here pretty shortly. We're not going to be sitting around here 10 years from now talking about when's he coming. He's going to be here before then, in my opinion. The kingdom is going to break in. As John Wimber used to say, the kingdom is here, but it's not completely here. You know, when Jesus is born, the kingdom breaks into the world, into time and space, as we've talked about over this Christmas season. And so like Herod, we give the lip service, except we do it on Sunday morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Church is nice. Yep. Yep. Nice. I mean, the guy could have talked 10 minutes less, but it's nice. So up to this point, Messiah's been very obscure. He's born in this out-of-the-way place. He's in some kind of poor setting, whether it was a stable or a cave or whatever it was. The angels sang for a while, then they disappeared. The shepherds went, you know, for a while, and then it was pretty obscure. We don't even know where he was at this time. You know, was he still in the stable when the wise men came? Probably not. The text says they went into the house to see him. So I don't know if Mary and Joseph rented a house on Airbnb to hang around there for a while. But they some time had gone by, and Messiah was obscure the whole time. And now he needs protection. The God-man needs to be protected. I mean, think about that. Little baby Jesus in his divinity could have vaporized Herod, right? Could have vaporized all of Herod's soldiers. Could have gotten rid of any kind of an obstacle or problem that was anywhere around them. In his divinity, he could have taken care of all that. Adult Jesus went willingly to the cross so that we can be here and be saved, not because we're so awesome, but because he paid the price. And he's walking through that suffering, horrible time, and soldiers are whipping him and people are yelling. He could have just vaporized everybody. That I'm not putting up with this next guy who hits me. I'm vaporizing him. No. Here, the God-man needs protection. He should have been honored as Messiah. But Herod wants to kill him. He should have been honored as Messiah, 
at age 33, but the religious leaders want him killed. They don't want to step on Pilate's pavement because they'll be defiled. This is the problem with law. Oh, if we step on the Gentile pavement, we're defiled. But we want this guy killed. That's okay. Pretty weird. You want somebody murdered, but you know you don't want to step on the wrong thing. You don't want to eat the wrong thing. You don't want So he should have been honored, but he's already a source of division. Jesus is always a source of division. Remember when he says, don't think I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. Father against son, daughter against mother. He goes through all these family relationships. I never remember the order. Because he's always a source of division. I'm sure in all of your families, Yeshua is a source of division. Oh, come on. Give me a break. I don't want to hear all that crap. What do you mean only go to heaven through him? Oh, come on. We're good people here. I'm a good person. I go to work every day. I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. Go to church once in a while, say a prayer here and there. Hey, what do you mean he's the only way to heaven? So he's always a source of division. Look at the culture now. Our culture will take anything other than Jesus, anything. If we started worshiping Zeus again, the media would love it. The media loves pagan, sickening things. That's why we sacrifice our babies, just like to the god Baal and Moloch. We're doing the same thing that they did because we love it. We love paganism. I highly, 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 highly recommend you read Jonathan Kahn's Return of the Gods. Fabulous, fabulous book. So he's always a source of division. Was his whole life. People loved him. People hated him. People over here loved him. People over here hated him. This guy loved him. That guy hated him. The leaders hated him. The common people loved them. All oh, those stupid people from Galilee, what do they know? They're not educated. They can't read and write. Who cares what they think? We're the guys who know the stuff, and we don't like him. In fact, we hate him because he's a troublemaker. He's trying to tell us what's in God's word. We're the ones that study it. He's a peasant. He doesn't even keep the Sabbath. So he's always a source of division. And we're talking about the um, presentation at day 40. Because you remember, a firstborn boy is presented at day 40. And a firstborn girl is presented at day 66. But they're presented in the temple. And Simeon says, this child is going to be responsible for the rise and fall of many in Israel. And boy, was that ever true. When you think about it. Division. Some people are going to rise, some people are going to fall because of him. Now things look pretty bad for us, right? There are believers that are in the body of Messiah. The world's turned against us. We're living in this darkness. But it's not going to be like that forever. Pretty soon we're going to rise, the world is going to fall. You know, Peter says everything's going to be destroyed in fervent heat. 
then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So he's always a source of division. Rise and fall of people, Luke 12, 51. He says, do you suppose that I came to bring peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. You're either with me or you're against me. Remember he says that? I can't put up every scripture. You're either with me or you're against me. There's not a gray area in between. Oh, yeah, Jesus, you know, he's kind of nice. Yeah, smart. Taught a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so did Buddha. And so did, uh, you know, Socrates. And so did Confucius. Now, you're either for him, you're either with him and following him, or you're against him. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. There is no middle ground. This isn't like two political parties arguing the tax should be 17% and the other one says it should be 14%. So you say, okay, let's make it 14.5%. We'll compromise. No. You're either with him or you're against him. And the kingdom is now breaking in because he's been born. He's come into space and time. But the other kingdom is always going to fight. Look at the Middle East. Look at the, look at the entertainment industry. The other kingdom is always fighting. Look at the government we have. Hey, if I decide my baby can be killed at eight months and 28 days, who are you to restrict that from me? I can do whatever I want. If two men want to be married, what's that to you? Who do you think you are? Right? Are you hearing that? Yes. The other kingdom is always fighting back. And humans, us, are always involved in the battle. Right? Abraham was involved in battles. David was involved in battles. The prophets were involved in battles. The apostles were involved in battles. The book of Revelation is all about battles. All about warfare and battles. Yeah. And so humans are involved in the battle on both sides. I love using, as my friends all know and you guys all know, I love using David and Peter as examples. Because, you know, here's David. It says, the Holy Spirit rushed on him and never departed. God says, he's a man after my own heart. David says, I meditate on the law day and night. But he kills people. He commits adultery. He runs away from things. He deceives people. Peter, uh, Jesus who? I don't know any Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I saw him once, but I don't, I don't know him. I don't want my life disrupted because this servant girl scared me. I don't even know who you're talking about. Then he curses at her, it says. Yet, David writes the, most of the Psalms. Peter becomes Peter. Paul's Saul of Tarsus is murdering people, bringing people in for trial. He becomes the apostle of grace, the apostle to the Gentiles. And then you have people on the other side. 
You see them on the news. <laughs> you see them in the, all these places I mentioned. I don't want to get involved with that. So Joseph has no way to know the danger that's here. I mean, they're out there somewhere, and he's thinking, you know, I got to get back to work. I need, we need, we're going to need some money. I don't know if little baby Jesus here can make us some food or if I have to, I got to get some money. I got to go to work. He doesn't know what Herod's thinking. Oh, sure, the wise men left him some gold. I'm sure that was helpful. <laughs> Boy, this is a tough crowd. <clears throat> so he can't know Herod's thought. And then he has a dream again. You know, he has a dream when an angel tells him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Yes, she's pregnant, but this child is the son of the Most High. She hasn't been unfaithful to you. Do people in our time even believe anymore in the virgin birth of Jesus? Who knows? You know, have you heard of the Jesus Seminar? You know, a group of real intellectual theologians, you know, a former priest and a bunch of, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, apostate pastors. Well, Mary got pregnant because she was raped by a Roman soldier, and she got pregnant, and she didn't want to tell anybody that, so she made the story up about the angel. They called themselves the Jesus Seminar. Can you imagine? Would you like to be at their, watching their judgment? I wouldn't want to be watching it. Raped by a Roman soldier. And then when they died and they took him down from the cross, they threw him in this place, you know, called they, the Jews called it Gehenna, where wild animals would come and eat the bodies. So, you know, that's, they threw the body over there. And that's why they never found the body. Wild animals ate him. Can you imagine? There's people that think these things. There was really no resurrection. It's just that the apostles had the memory of him in their mind. So he continued to live. <clears throat> you know, like people today say, oh, I'm sending all my good thoughts and all my good energies that way. You know, I keep him alive in my mind. Well, that's nice. <clears throat> Doesn't change where he is or what's happening, but makes you feel better, right? <laughs> so now Joseph, all of a sudden, he has a dream with an angel. Now he has another dream with an angel. You know, this didn't used to happen to him on a regular basis. He was just an ordinary guy who had learned to trade. He wanted to marry this young lady that he loved. She came and said he was pregnant. Angel comes and says, don't worry. Now an angel comes and says, hey, you got to take the child and his mother. You got to get out of here. I mean, I like to think of all the biblical characters and their humanity. So imagine that. You're like, what, what else is going to happen here? So he wouldn't have known how to escape. The angel came. Said you got to go to Egypt. Egypt, the people got liberated from Egypt. Now we're going to go back to Egypt with little baby Messiah. We're going to go back to a pagan land with little baby Messiah. I, I, are you sure you got this right? Are you sure you mean Egypt? Are you sure you don't mean Parma Heights? <laughs> so you know when he's he's now attached literally. To Jesus, who's 
maybe a few weeks old at this point. I don't know how, we don't know how old he is. Let's say he's a few weeks old. Joseph is attached now. So when we're attached to him, we have communication with heaven as well. The Holy Spirit tells you something. The Holy Spirit gives you a word, gives you a word of knowledge, prompts you to do something. So now all of a sudden, Joseph's in communication with these angels. So the angel not only tells him there's a danger, but tells him the plan. Because, of course, the angel is a messenger, right? We get the word angel from the Greek angelos, messenger. Hebrew word malach, messenger. The angel doesn't make up the plan. You know, Gabriel doesn't decide, eh, I think maybe tomorrow I'll go down and talk to this girl, Mary. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow. But unless something else is going on, then I'll do it the following day. No, God sends him to do it. God sends him to Zechariah. God sends him to Daniel and, and so forth. So this angel goes, gives Joseph the plan. Because, of course, God always knows what the plans of the evil ones are. In fact, in Psalm 2, it says he laughs at them. You can read Psalm 2 for your homework. It says the princes of the world plot against God and his anointed. And he sits in the heavens and laughs. Because their plans aren't going to work. The World Economic Forum and the UN and all these places that are trying to make one world governments now. Oh, their little plans are going to succeed for a little while, maybe. You know, if we get rid of half the people in the world, then the earth will have a chance to start regenerating itself. You know, if we worship the earth a little bit more. And the head people who are in charge of those things are buddy-buddy with the Pope, buddy-buddy with other church leaders. Oh, this is so wise. Yes, this is so wonderful. What's wonderful? That half the people in the world should die so that the earth can have a chance? We're not doing earth worship here. We have dominion over the earth. So Messiah here is protected by human parents. They're being used, Joseph and Mary are used in the plan to protect the God-man. This is the baby. This is the little kid now. This is the Messiah who the people have been waiting for for 2,500 years or whatever it is. Now two people have to protect him. That wouldn't have made any sense to the people. I thought he was going to be the king. I thought he was going to take over. I thought he was going to get rid of all these evil people. So they're doing it. And of course, we know he wasn't going to die then. Look how many times in the gospel it says it wasn't his time yet. So he just walked through the people that were going to stone him or the people that were going to throw him off the cliff because it wasn't his time yet. He wasn't going to die when he was 40 days old, 60 days old. That wouldn't have been the sacrifice once for all. So, right from his infancy, he's in danger. Jeremiah 15.10 says that. Messiah's going to be in danger from his infancy. Jeremiah says, I'm a youth. I'm in danger from being a little kid. But Messiah's going to be in danger from his infancy. Same with the church. The church was persecuted 
immediately out of the gate, <laughs> right? When did the persecution start? Immediately. Saul of Tarsus, immediately. Round him up and kill him. You know, we don't want to drive five minutes to go to church, but people were fed to lions. People were used for archery practice. People were dipped in tar and lit on fire to light Nero's gardens. We can't stand to be uncomfortable for five minutes. So the church was persecuted from the beginning, just like Messiah was persecuted from the beginning, the first few weeks of his life. <clears throat> he's kept safe, that should say, but kept safe. He's persecuted, but he's kept safe at this time. The church is also kept safe. The basic truth always goes on. It gets perverted here and there <laughs> by various people. You know, we can't go, go into that, but if you know the history of the last 2,000 years, the history of Christianity is not always just nice and peaceful and beautiful. There's all kinds of things that happen, but the basic truth goes on. The basic truth of the word goes on. The basic truth of the cross and salvation goes on. The same cross from two, almost 2,000 years ago is still saving people now because there is no other way to be saved. You don't go to heaven by being good or by being nice or by not hurting people's feelings. You go to heaven because of this. And it's still working after 2,000 years. So, you know, we know about cruelty to newborns in the Bible. Pharaoh, all the Hebrew boys, as soon as they're born, should be drowned in the Nile. Remember? The girls can live, the boys have to be drowned. And eventually the race will die out. Moses gets saved in a sneaky way, right? In Revelation chapter 12, the dragon's waiting for the woman to give birth so he can devour the child. Satan's always ready to devour Messiah, devour his word, devour his truth, capital T. When people, when people got into the worst kinds of idolatry in the valley of Hinnom, they sacrificed their children to the god Moloch. They'd throw them in the fire. That's why God says, don't walk through the fire like the pagans do. We do that now. We've been doing that in this country for 50-some years. It's been going on all over the world for longer than that. Sacrifice the children. We can't be bothered with that. So, Egypt. You really want us to go to Egypt? That's where we were in slavery. We got delivered from there. That's where they have idolatry. But God in his sovereignty even redeems that. Makes a safe place for Messiah, his only son, to live in a place where you wouldn't expect a Jewish couple to take a Jewish baby boy. But it's a safe place for him in this place because God in his sovereignty sets this up. So what did Mary and Joseph think? First of all, they were told he's the son of God. The angel said he's the son of God. Simeon says he's the glory of Israel. Wow. This baby's the son of God. He's the glory of Israel. Now we have to run away? Doesn't make much sense, does it? 
we got to run away? Can't God do something about this? Couldn't the baby do something about this? After all, he's the son of God. Couldn't he fix up this situation? Can't he strike Herod dead? Right from his crib here, he could do that. Why are we running away? He should be providing us protection, but we have to run to protect him. Are they being tested? Yes. I mean, is Joseph going to say, hey, look, forget it. We're not going to Egypt. We're going back to Nazareth. Herod finds us there tough. Mary doesn't say, hey, look, I'm tired of all this. Let's just go back to Nazareth. No, they obey. They're being tested. They obeyed in faith. In fact, Joseph immediately goes. It says the same night he goes. He doesn't wait. Who does that remind you of? Abraham. Go. Remember, Abram's in the land of in, uh, in the, a land of the Chaldeans and land of Ur. God says, "Go now to a place I'm going to show you." Not think about it for six months. Not start packing. Not don't you know? Talk it over with your family. See what they think. I mean, I don't want you know. We don't want your neighbors to think you're crazy. No, He says, "Go now." In the Torah portion, it's called Lech Lecha. It's get up and go. You know, in English, it says go to the land. The Hebrew actually means hurry up, get up, and go. Joseph goes the same night, no questions, and they obey. Remember in the book of Hebrews, it says Abraham had faith, and it was counted as righteousness. Abraham obeyed, and it was counted as righteousness. Joseph has faith. He obeys, and it's counted as righteousness. So normal humans being used, ordinary human methods. Okay, get the donkey, pack up the stuff. Forward the mail. I don't know exactly where we're going to be. Shut the utilities off. How do they even know how to get to Egypt from where they are? Like, you know, they probably don't have a map. But they obey ordinary methods. And Joseph claims he's capable to do what he's called to do. <clears throat> We're all called to do something, right? People say, oh, I don't think, I don't know. I never hear God calling me. Well, you might have to shut the television off. You might have to go to a quiet place. You might have to shut down the people around you. How can you hear God when you can't even hear yourself think? Oh, I never hear anything from God. Well, how can you? He doesn't shout it in your ear. It's a still small voice. So Joseph proves he's capable. And they're told the plan. The angel doesn't say, hey, Joseph, you know, whatever you think. You ought to do. I mean, this is serious business, whatever you think you ought to do. No, he gets the plan. They're totally dependent on God. <clears throat> and when you get to Egypt, I'm going to come back and tell you when it's safe to go home. You're not going to read it in the newspaper. You're not going to see it on CNN or Fox. No one's going to come. I'm going to tell you when it's time to go back. And it says that 
angel told Joseph again, Herod's dead. You can go back now. In other words, they don't make the plan. They're totally dependent on God, and they'll be told. And Messiah is exiled from his people. This is another prefigurement. The wise men were Gentiles that came. The Jewish leaders didn't go. The Jews didn't want to be bothered with it. The Gentiles came a thousand miles to see him. Messiah's exiled Gentiles because the people in his place want to kill him. He comes to bring the kingdom to Jew and Gentile. The people in the land want to kill him. He has to go to a land of Gentiles to be protected. The faith in Yeshua had to go to Gentile lands to be preserved. Because after the first, I don't know, 50 to 100 years of Christian history, there were fewer and fewer Jewish believers as time went on. And there were, the number of Gentile believers was, was skyrocketing. So after 100 years, 150 years, the church starts to become Gentile. And like Esther, forgets about her Hebrew roots. But you guys are here to learn about your Hebrew roots, our Hebrew roots, roots and foundations. You know, Paul says the roots nourish the branches. So he's protected. The faith was protected in Gentile lands since the beginning. It's a prefigurement. So like Abraham, he immediately obeys. Doesn't even know where he's going exactly. And he leaves immediately. And you notice Mary's not called Joseph's wife. He doesn't say, take your wife, take your baby. No, he says, take the child and his mother. Because what's important about Mary is she's the mother of the child, not that she's Joseph's wife. I mean, that's important, but in a different order of magnitude. He says, take the child and his mother. He doesn't say, take the child and your wife. She is his wife, but you get the point. The important thing is her great dignity and honor comes that she's the mother of the Messiah, not that she's Joseph's wife. I think we all know that. No other woman will ever have that again, has never had it, never had it since then, never will again. No other woman can be the mother of the Messiah because there's not going to be another Messiah. Everything about Jesus is once for all, right? Yes. <clears throat> and Elizabeth, you know, in Luke chapter 1, when she goes to visit Elizabeth, you know, it's so great. Elizabeth's, this is about Elizabeth. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. <clears throat> but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She doesn't say, Oh, man, I'm so glad Joseph's wife is here. Hey, how was, you know... How are you and Joseph getting along? What's going on at home? Says, no, you're the mother of my Lord and you're here. Because that's the important part of it. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of these things which were told her from the Lord. 
So little John the Baptist is in her womb and he leaps for joy. This was the first charismatic prayer meeting was little John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth with his hands up dancing around. Why? Because little baby Jesus in the womb came into the room and Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary's filled with the Holy Spirit. And John's dancing around in the room, in the womb. Whew, I think that's pretty cool. So she calls him the mother of my Lord. From the beginning, Mary's been called the Theotokos, the God-bearer. She carries the God-man inside of her and then cares for him, just like a mother would care for babies. So when he fell and skinned his knee, he went home crying, and she said, oh, I'm sorry you skinned your knee and did whatever, <laughs> like you do with your kids. You don't know that yet, but you will, Andrew. It's always so sad when a little kid goes out and falls down and he comes home crying and his knees are skinned up. <laughs> so Elizabeth prophesies that God's promises are all going to come to pass. And one, we're almost done, believe it or not. The other Joseph, Jacob's son, who we've talked a lot about. Great, great, great stories. So many things we could say about Joseph. and Maybe we will. The other Joseph was also driven from the land. Remember, his brothers wanted to kill him. And then they sold him into slavery. And he says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What Herod meant for evil, God meant for good. Protected the Messiah. Brought the Messiah back. They went to Nazareth when they came back. Neither Joseph understood what was going on. First Joseph was probably a lot smarter than this Joseph. Because after all, he was an important guy in the Egyptian government. He was second only to the Pharaoh. So neither Joseph understood what was going on. The first Joseph protected the chosen people. He went to Egypt so that the chosen people would be protected. He gave them food. Remember, they don't recognize him because he's dressed like an Egyptian and he speaks Egyptian. The second Joseph protects the Messiah. They both want to go back to the land. First Joseph goes back when he's dead. You know, Moses carries his bones all around the wilderness. Second Joseph goes back to Nazareth. So they're in Egypt. You know, Mary and Joseph couldn't even keep the law there because the temple wasn't there. The temple was far away. But, but one greater than the temple was there. Later on, Yeshua is going to say, one greater than the temple is here. Him. Greater than the temple. So they didn't have the law, they have, but they had the Lord of the temple who was with them. How cool is that? When those guys said, you don't keep the Sabbath, he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, in case you guys don't know. He's greater than the temple. They had the one greater than the temple with them in Egypt, even though they couldn't keep the law. So God calls Israel his son, the people Israel. Exodus 4.22, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Israel is my son, my firstborn. They're my chosen people. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I have called my son, Hosea 11.1, written a long time after the Exodus. 
out of Egypt, I called my son. He called Israel out of Egypt. And at this point, he calls his son, the Messiah, out of Egypt. So that this prophecy can be fulfilled. Because Israel had always already long been called out of Egypt when Hosea wrote this. So God doesn't leave his son, little s, or son, capital S, in Egypt. He delivers them from there. They're hidden in Egypt for a while. A place of safety for them. And then they come out. And neither of them are left there. So the Old Testament saying, the Old Testament passage, comes back to be fulfilled with Joseph getting the dream, pick up the child, take the child and his mother, go to Egypt, and then I'll tell you when you can come back. And he's protected there. Only two verses about it. Then, of course, Herod goes on, and as you know, and kills all the boys two years old and less. And Matthew quotes, again, from Jeremiah, I can't remember the chapter, about the Rachel wailing because the children are no more. He killed all the boys two years old and less. There's always both kingdoms in conflict. So a little passage, but hopefully we got all that out of it.